Welcome to the Best Boss Ever podcast. I'm your host, Christine LaPerriere, president of Leader in Motion. On this show, we're going to gossip about the best boss you ever had. We're going to hear stories about things that they did that helped you feel valued, helped you feel engaged, and really inspired you. We want to hear about the bosses that changed the way you look at everything. If you want to hear more, join me at christinelaperriere.com and sign up for our newsletter, The Whip. Welcome to the show, Cam. I'm so excited that you decided to be a guest for me. You and I have worked together for years now, actually, at different organizations. And one of the reasons that I thought you would make a fantastic guest is that I have thoroughly enjoyed working with you over the years. You are one of the most collaborative, just easy to get along with people that I've ever worked with. And uh, I've always seen that in your leadership. So I really admire you and I couldn't help but be excited to invite you on the show. Welcome. Thank you so much, Christine. Happy to be here. And just really quick as we get started, tell people your uh, official title and role today. Sure. Today I'm uh, Vice President Marketing and Sales for SureShot Solutions. And uh, if you want to know what SureShot Solutions are, they're the that's when you go and order a double-double, we're the equipment that accurately dispenses, whether it be the cream or the sugar or the sweetener or the milk. So that's what we right. do. Home of the double-double. <laughs> so <laughs> exactly. few, so few exactly. people know that Sure Shot's the one that makes that happen. Yeah, yeah, Excellent. exactly. So then I just, you know, I'm going to dive right in and I'm going to ask you, so, you know, I'm so curious, given how I've seen you lead, who, you know, who comes to mind when I talk of who might be your best boss ever? I've been fortunate to say, I I think I've had three best bosses ever, Christine. And I I think, you know, I've been been around long enough. I've been working for over 30 years now, hard to believe. But you really, really appreciate the good ones because they're unfortunately not as common as the rest, if you will. And so uh, I've, in, I've been fortunate enough to this point in my career have had three fantastic best bosses ever. Great. And then, you know, can you share some, some stories and some insights that you've learned from watching them? Sure, sure. The, the, the first gentleman in this case was early in my career. So I went to business school at Western graduated, joined the Coca-Cola bottler in in southwestern Ontario in Kitchener. Uh, After about a year, I got moved to Sarnia, uh, promoted to Sarnia. The VP for our region, gentleman named Don Mitchell, older gentleman, certainly older at the time. I was early 20s. He was probably in his 50s. Wait a minute. I'm in my 50s now. That's not good. (laughs) (laughs) That's not good. Um, He, you know, his just... He was what he was one of the hiring. He was he made the final decision on my hire, so I'm potentially a little biased. But just his vision, his communication skills, and with all three of my best bosses ever, just a sincere concern for you as a person, not only as somebody that works on his or her team, but as a person in your development, in your well-being. And this, just a little story, an aside, he called me one, I think it was a Thursday evening, and uh, he said, Cam, I was supposed to go to the NHL All-Star game this week weekend in Philadelphia. This is back when 
we did these type of things. And uh, I, I can't go. I have a family commitment. I'd like you to go with my tickets. So got to go to the airport, fly to Philadelphia, go to all these VIP events. Back then it was a big deal. This was 1993 in Philadelphia. The reason I'm telling you this story, Christine, is his, his son had had a, a minor car accident a few weeks before. And I'm in Sarnia. People know Sarnia is down by, you know, not far from Detroit, Windsor. And I've got to go to Toronto to the airport. And I had a company car, Coca-Cola bottler company car. And he said, Cam, it's calling for snow tomorrow. I want you to rent a bigger, safer car to drive to the airport in Toronto, just so that you get there for sure and you get there safe. And so that that is just one of many examples of just the, the type of person he was. And in all three cases, Christine, these people, you want to work hard for them. You want to make them proud of you. You want to do whatever you can, whatever it's physically possible to, to help them win because they care so much about you. And, they, and it's sincere. It's not, it's not, you know, it's not the politician sincere. It's, it's real. Right. It's so interesting to hear that, Cam, because that is one of the qualities I see in you. I really feel like you have always demonstrated that from the first time that I met you when, again, you didn't know anything about me and you just took a genuine interest in who is this person in front of me? Can I genuinely get to know them? And then just your natural attention on you know, the well-being of the person first and then doing business second, which to your point has always made me really want to make sure that you're a happy customer when I'm working with you because <laughs> just because that sincerity, you know, comes across, right? Do you think that you got that trait from, from seeing that behavior and then trying to mirror that? I believe, yeah, I believe, I don't know if I, I got it, but I, I certainly was able to hone something there by mirroring and and kind of watching his style learning you know he was the guy type of guy who could give somebody crap without raising his voice without you know without swearing without being disrespectful just a couple well-placed comments words and the message was clear and and it so that you know i i like to think that i i took some things from him that i've been able to use through the remainder of my my career to this point. Yeah. That's great. Definitely. And what about the second boss? Second boss was Vince Timpano. Um, so I worked my way up through the bottling system at Coke and then had the opportunity to jump over to the company side. So there's the company who have all the money and do the marketing. Mm -hmm. And then there's the bottler who does all the delivering, all the heavy work and has all the debt. And I moved to the company side and got promoted to uh, vice president of food service and hospitality business unit. And my boss was president Vince Timpano. And much of the later years on the bottling side was working for command and control type leaders. And, you know, when times were tough, when things weren't going well, the, you know, they got louder and yelled more and demanded more and pushed more and threatened more. And I came to work for this gentleman, Vince Timpano, and we, we, we were in some tough times, but just seeing how he reacted in tough times and did not lash out, but actually brought people together and, and, um, his style, his, his ability to 
create a vision, build strategy, execute against it. And his communication skills were incredible. And so I, I just learned a, a lot. And, and that, you know, that's another consistent theme through all three leaders is it's not when times are good when you see and you learn, it's when times are tough that, uh, right. you know, the good ones really shine through. That makes a lot of sense to me. And I mean, I can think of, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic right now. So there's lots of businesses, organizations all over the place that are, that you were, we're seeing what leaders are made of right now. You know, we're in those tough times <laughs> yeah. for a lot of businesses. Yeah. Um, so I'm just curious when you're talking about his reaction in tough times, can you just give us maybe even a descriptor or an example of when you, you know, specifically remember watching his reaction and being surprised? Yeah, I think we, we would, we would get on calls that our executive team would get on a call with our leadership in Atlanta every uh, once a month, generally. And, you know, Atlanta at, at that time, you know, the, the leadership style was different. It's, it's changed over the years, but it was a little more of that command and control. And so if our numbers weren't where they wanted them to be, you know, there'd be a lot of drilling down, a lot of challenging, a lot of, you know, those type of things. And particularly how we're dealing, we were uh, leading the bottler uh, from a franchise or perspective, you know, those calls could get pretty dark and pretty rough on the members of the executive team here in Canada. And, but, you know, Vince could have easily many times turned to us, to me as an example of food service, why aren't your numbers better? But he wouldn't uh, very often he'd take it, take it himself and he'd push back very often on and and very respectfully again always respectfully but he wouldn't just take just assume things were the way they were and that things had to be that way he would respectfully push back and challenge back mm -hmm. and uh, just the way he did that christine was new to me at the time i've you know I, i've since <laughs> learned that there's a whole world out there with with the, you know leaders like him but at the time it was so new to me so refreshing mm -hmm. and, and so liberating in many ways in, in terms of the way i the way I thought and the way I led, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So he really had your back is the, the yeah. impression I'm getting. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And it, it, intellectually and, you know, you have to perform, you have to uh, drive the results, all those good things, but it wasn't an either, or it was okay. When things aren't great, we'll, we'll work our way through this and and work together on it. So it wasn't just throwing somebody overboard right when things started turning south. Right. So. I think that is um, one of those things that's, again, kind of easy to say and harder to do as far as, you know, the instinct to blame, the instinct to hunt for the fault in another person. You know, it's that trait shows up again when times are tough and people are under pressure someone who can stay calm and collected and again, rally for their people and rally for the integrity of the work that's getting done. I can see how he would end up on your top three list. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's for great. Sure. Bang on. And then I'm, I'm of course curious to know, I want to hear about the third. <laughs> well, the third one, uh, you know, well, he's my, uh, my current president, uh, David McCauley. And yes. you, uh, you, of course, introduced me to David and, and the SureShot organization several years ago now. And, you know, I think 
aspects of both gentlemen and in, in David, both the first two people I spoke of, the caring, understanding side, you know, and, and this might be part of that Eastern culture down, you know, based in, based in Nova Scotia, but just that wanting to make sure you're okay, wanting to make sure things are going well in your life, not just work, work, work. And then dealing in tough times, you know, as you mentioned COVID and, and our business being, you know, in the equipment world, uh, when things slow down, first thing people stop buying is things that uh, they can delay if possible. And equipment very much falls into that category, especially our equipment, which seems to go on forever and ever, um, which is hard when you're in sales. But, you know, we hit a real wall back in March and uh, things ground to a halt and, you know, tough, tough times. And fortunately, we have a very strong balance sheet. Uh, but, you know, David is, is, trying to drive results for the share shareholders and the, the stakeholders and you know what do you do and how do you how do you how do you deal with it and you know he always was calm cool collected was quite open with the organization in terms of communicating where we were what we were doing and 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 just explaining you know that we were on things were uncertain and but here's what we are doing here's what we can do and always trying to balance the three things the well-being of the business the well-being of our people and the well-being of our customers and you know trying not just in the short term but in the long term and you know we did have to do some very difficult things we had to eventually restructure to a certain degree but we've now we're now coming out the other end, and I think we're um, we're in a great place, and it's because of the the leadership, communication style, and just the ability to relate with our team, with our, our entire organization, on a personal level, very powerful. So and it well. just you know again it speaks volumes to when you put your people first and you make those you make that investment, like you said, balancing the business between the customers and the people. I think, I think that trifecta right there really does describe, it comes across somehow. I mean, I can even think of my own example of working with David where I suffered a concussion and I reached out to him and said, I can't work for you right now. Obviously I was doing lots of sales strategy work. And I said, um, unfortunately I have to take, I think it was 12 weeks off. Uh, Cause I suffered a major concussion while I was working mm. for him. And it was so interesting because the first thing that he said was, if you need us to pay your invoice, don't worry about it. Just go ahead and bill us. Don't, and it, he was more, he was genuinely, his first response was to try to make sure that I had enough money to survive versus his concern. You know, I, I, in the back of my head, I was thinking, you know, oh, I'm probably, they're probably going to end their engagement with me. Like, you know, three months is going to go by and they're going to hire somebody else. And just that, that feeling of dread a little bit, but um, his first concern was making sure that I had some financial stability while I had just suffered this accident. So I will never forget that. Like when somebody does that, you don't ever forget it. You actually, it leaves a mark that that response was so much more powerful than, you know, some of the other ones that I received. Yeah, yeah. No, it's he he just has that uh you know, David David drives for results and he is uh detail driven, he's focused, but he has that wonderful human touch and that 
ability to see beyond just the numbers and beyond just the business and understand, you know, um, people development is such a huge part of our strategy as well. And, and so trying to bring people along, see them progress. And in instances like yours, you know, that's where you just see his, his big heart, just the way he approaches life in general and, and people in our organization. So, yeah. you know, and I always, it's so interesting when you say that, because, you know, I've really come to this conclusion because I do so much work in the leadership space and I'm always talking about the business case and everybody struggles with soft skills because they struggle to see the direct link to the bottom line. So this is, part of my passion for this topic right now is trying to understand really what is the impact of a best boss. And I think of that example with David and all I can say is that I've went anytime that he needed something again, if I could figure out how to go the extra mile, I would go the extra mile just because I, it felt like it would be reciprocated when I needed it. Yeah, that's bang on, bang on Christine. Exactly. Like the, all three of these individuals, you know, you want to make them proud. You want to do whatever you can to help them succeed in business, in life. Anything I could do for them, business or personal, I would do because just because of the way they've treated me and treated people in the organization, it's, you know, it's, it, and you know how much work is part of our life. You want to, those are the type of people, you know, you, uh, like your, your mother or your father, you want to make them proud and you want right. to do whatever you can for them. So yeah, absolutely. Definitely, definitely. And then just, you know, for compare and contrast, have you, have you ever had a a not best boss ever, <laughs> someone who would not make the list. And maybe you don't have to call them out necessarily by name, no, but no. mostly the, um, the characteristics or traits that stand out as being the most polarizing for you or the ones where you just said, I got to get out of here as fast as I can. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, uh, senior level back on the bottler side, you know, uh, command and control with disrespect, I would say, or with a lack of respect. And the impact that had on people on the, you know, in the organization, on the team, and it would create, you know, just as good, strong values and attributes can transcend and, and can, can, you know, permeate the entire organization, so can disrespect those, some of those negative elements. They can, especially when it's coming from a senior level, it can permeate the organization. And, and so that's, I saw that and I saw how it damaged good people who had to eventually exit uh, and then how it turned some, <laughs> some people with good potential almost to the dark side in terms of where they gravitated, how they responded and reacted. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that, you know, that fortunately, um, Again, in my career, I haven't had too much of that, but there's been enough, uh, you know, very, very different, just two different uh, ends of the spectrum for sure, in my opinion. Well, and this is, I mean, I just love that you're bringing that point up and I think it's a really great spot to pull it to close, which is, in my impression, what I find is that people mirror each other. That is what culture is. And so culture is always this, again, it's hard to, hard to, hard to describe. How do you invest in the culture of a business? because it's not a tangible thing. Does it actually impact the bottom line? It's really hard to prove a lot of the times because it's, you know, it's so subtle, 
But when you say that, I mean, I think of you explaining your best bosses ever and how much of that shows up in the way that you lead and, you know, you interact with people. And then meanwhile, to your exact point, and I've seen it too, the disrespectful behavior, it's catchy because people start to say, well, that's got to be what I need to do to get noticed around here. And imagine when you start to have an organization that fills up with disrespectful people who are in that um, yeah. control and command style of leadership. I mean, you're not having the response that you and I just had where we said, we'll do triple backflips because we want to make you proud. That, that goes away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're like, I will do the minimum amount to just stay off of your radar. <laughs> <laughs> yep, exactly. Even if you're a top performer, it's hard to bring your A game to someone who you know could be disrespectful. Yeah, yeah. You know? No, and they, you know, they say winning drives culture, but, you know, often you have, you can't win right away. And sometimes you have to take, you know, whether times are tough or the situation is such that you're, you know, you're going to lose a few games before you start winning. And it's how you treat each other in those tough times that really helps pull you out and take you to a better place in the future. Right. And, and that's, that's what in my mind builds that culture. So and you teach yeah. other people exactly how to respond to a tough time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> By the exactly. way you lead. No? Exactly, exactly. Excellent. Well, thank you, Cam. This was fantastic. And I know for a fact that there are people listening that can resonate with your story for sure. Thanks so much for the opportunity, Christine. Appreciate it. If you want to hear more, join me at christineleperriere.com and sign up for our newsletter, The Whip.